going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 73, Joe vs. the World. Joining me as almost always, he writes for Grantland as the masked man, Mr. Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? Jacuse. <laughs> I am feeling pretty great because in between... I've lost all sense of time. This is like uh, studio sessions from the 60s where someone, a rock and roller, would go in and it would take like three months to cut an album. So w- we started in September, I think, and then one more time last month, and here we are to finish things off. Yeah, it's like we made the first session, scrapped it, mm-hmm. and then just redid it again. Brought in some new session guys. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> But what we accomplished in between then is we talked so much about pre- and post-Monday Night Raw programming that one of our high-rolling executive fans put Murder, She Wrote back on the air. That's true. Also canceled um, Necessary Roughness. That's right. Yep. Down she goes with Fairly Legal (laughs) herself. I don't know what's left. This is my... uh, We can do... (laughs) A tribute cold open to Fairly Legal right now, if we get into character. Here we, wait. <clears throat> Fairly Legal, I want uh, 20% of this money deal property, and yet uh, the antagonist of this episode wants 30%. What, <laughs> what can be done? <laughs> what if we did 25? Thank you very much. <laughs> and B-plot about your personal life. And your struggles as a mediator. And then the, I, I get the titular line. Thank you, Sheriff Shahi. That was fairly legal. And I'm doing the outstretched hand up and down, left and right. It was more or less legal. What do you think the chances are they'll bring, like, a new Silk Stockings 2013? Not good enough. <laughs> USA characters welcome. There were some characters on there. <laughs> it would be an odd juxt- uh, juxtaposition between SVU and uh, <laughs> essentially a sexy version of that. Right, one with uh, fewer consequences, <laughs> aside from the murder of one person in a bra at the beginning. <laughs> I could see, like, um, I don't even know, who is an actress who is not 30 years old yet and therefore allowed to be on TV, but still... Like, at that level that they could be cast as one of the Silk... I remember Silk Stockings had one male and one female, I think. Correct. Although they may have been shuffled in and out, like Doctor Who's. I don't know. It was like... I believe uh, they were both replaced in the last season. Ah. And did they... It was more of a Dukes of Hazard situation. As new characters, was it like when... Um, uh, David Duchovny left the X-Files and they're like, hey, it's this other guy. <laughs> I think basically, yes. Oh, so it wasn't um, Marissa Silk and Sean Stockings for the entirety <laughs> no. of the run. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> they would be good. So the, our cold open for that would be like, ooh, exterior hotel. No, Senator Put away that digital camera phone if we're going to have this intercourse. I've been murdered. <laughs> I actually think you could do a whole lot with the concept based on uh, advances in uh, in technology and the um, 
further breakdown of uh, morality and civilization. <laughs> yep, yep. It's a voyeuristic society that much more nowadays. Stockings ahead of its time. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, <laughs> cold opens taken care of. Now play right. Joe theme music. <laughs> Uh, we are picking up where we left off with the sort of. 1995 WWF covering the back half of the year. This is a re-record of uh, the episode we lost, although that was so long ago I've forgotten what we've uh, talked about. So I guess it all works out in the end. And uh, the, yeah, this does allow us to continue the sort of tradition of Thanksgiving shows, which uh, you'll have to listen to on the way to your relatives <laughs> if you if you can wait to grandmother's house. You go, yes. Uh, we left off at King of the Ring 95, uh, agreed-upon low point in company history. Two things I want to mention we forgot last time, um, both In Your House related. They wanted Cato Kalin for In Your House 1 as the ultimate house guest, but he turned them down. Yes, Cato Kalin turned down the job. And uh, while we questioned the house motif for the In Your Houses, when they wanted to mix up the entries for the actual house giveaway, uh, Todd Pettengale was able to retrieve a rake from the pseudo-garage for the task, so... Uh, there you go, and I do think the TLC set uh, design certainly matches uh, in your house for absurdity. <laughs> well, like the wall of chairs. If there was like a giant rake, maybe that you could swing <laughs> from like the backlash hook. <laughs> uh, I missed that. What I what I forgot to ask last time was how long after the King of the Ring tournament and pay per view had concluded do you think it took? for Nelson Fraser himself to register his fateful email address, king95 at AOL.com. I kind of like to think it would have been around 97 or so, after he was out of the company. For indie bookings. Sure. It wasn't he, as soon as he got home, he was like, I'm changing this. (laughs) From Mabel on a mission. Goodness, all right. Ready and Mabel. <laughs> I don't have to say maple syrup. But I don't know. <laughs> That's the one. There we go. That's why we do these multiple times. You never know. <laughs> What's also cool is I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's relevant to what we're talking about, but I won that in your house. One of the first in your house. Really, you you won the house. I'm you the kid who screamed. I'm living in it right now. You're in Florida. Set up a little studio, yeah. It's been, it changed my life. I'm surprised it hasn't come up in the uh, Sunday Night Heat Report era or anything, (laughs) the first run of these I do with you, but yeah, I mean, I guess you jarred my memory. Interesting. Is it a nice house? Uh, It's really just the exterior, and um, it's the same prop house that Sean danced on in one of the future ones we're talking about. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it was a fixer-upper, but I didn't, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe you could have, um, this could be a reality series for the upcoming network. Sort of a... Uh, in Your House Hunters? <laughs> flip this in your house? Yes! That's great. Yeah, you get a wide palette to start with, and then... Or uh, you fix up a different room every uh, every week, and a, a superstar helps you out. Yeah, they bring in tables, chairs, <laughs> and ladders. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler can help you with grout. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, let's see if things got any better. 
spoiler, they really did not. Uh, as you may remember, uh, Jerry Lawler lost a kiss my foot match to Bret Hart at King of the Ring, and I guess having his foot in his mouth messed up his teeth because he had to go to the dentist. That dentist being Mr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, who uh, he was going to have his dentist beat up Bret Hart. Uh, Isaac, of course, was Glenn Jacobs, who went on to become Kane. So this was the beginning of an 18-year run, which I'm guessing no one predicted at the time. And uh, this was a rather silly gimmick. It seemed they were in the line of, uh, what don't kids like? Let's go with that uh, series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Teachers. Boo. <laughs> homework. Uh, he, lasted, he lasted a year. Run over a year. <laughs> but the kids like that, though. That doesn't... Oh, well. Well, well you know. Not uh, posers, though. Maybe Red was a poser. <laughs> Remember in 1995 a distinct anti-poser sentiment in my middle school. Uh, do you remember his finisher? Um, Isaac Yankum? Yep. Was it the Toothstone? <laughs> it was the DDS. Was that a Just DDT? a DDT, yes. Well, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you remember his hometown? Um, you told me last time we did this and I forgot, but it's very good. Wait, it's if I'm a tooth... And I am a place. What, um... Gingivitis? Op- no, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? Decatur. Illinois. Yes! Yes. Yes. Excellent. <sighs> and do you know how long his, uh, his first match went? How long? Went, uh... Two minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> Two thirty. Two thirty. <laughs> That doesn't really make sense, but that's okay. You know, it was a squash, I think, so. (laughs) For that to have made sense, I think all of his matches would have needed to go 230. (laughs) Or if he won them at the 230 mark. (laughs) There you go. But so it was just a DDT, a a simple front face lock into a downward trajectory? Yes, spiking the head. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Uh, shocking news, Brave New World. Jack Tunney stepped down as the president of the WWF. The real reason was they wanted to promote Canada on their own, as he was still tied up in that. He was rumored to be replaced by Shane Douglas, who would later transition to a wrestler, but it ended up being Gorilla Monsoon. You'd think Bob Backlund would be in the running. Um, yeah, Dave Meltzer always points out how bubbling Tunney was. Did you ever <laughs> get that sense? Not one bit. Like, I... <laughs> I guess, in retrospect, he was the one they sent out to do all the, um, like, preposterous decisions that WWE doesn't even try to whitewash (laughs) nowadays. They just be like, that happened. Go fuck yourselves. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, when I think back to everything Tony did, he's the one who stripped uh, Hogan of the belt for using ashes from the urn and... (laughs) He refused to book a Hogan Warrior rematch because the axis of the earth would tip over or something. But to me, at the time, he was just an adult in a suit, so he had quite a bit of uh, authority to me. <laughs> Certainly had gravitas. Mm-hmm. Likely the worst was the firing of Rick Rude over comments oh. made. <laughs> and while simultaneously, uh, Rick Martel blinded Jake Roberts <laughs> and went unpunished. It was a controversial second term. <laughs> 
Today, nowadays, there would be an impeachment angle or something topical like that, but he was just sent off Nixon style. (laughs) We moved into the authority figure, and it just goes from there. It seems they get fired frequently and just replaced, so... Yeah, yeah. Arbitrary. And Mm. a lot of them don't even finish booking the show until they get there. (laughs) There are about five of them right now, (laughs) so it's really like, who... I really don't know the hierarchy here. I mean, uh, certainly the McMahon's on top, and then some mix of Kane, Brad Maddox, and Vicky Guerrero. Right. I assume Booker T and Teddy Long were given office (laughs) jobs somewhere (laughs) in that administration. The bureaucracy is... uh, It's a little much. Tell me about it. Gridlock. Uh, A couple quick notes. John and Jeff Jarrett got into it while Sean was filling in for Lawler on commentary, setting up a match with them, and King Kong Bundy missed a show, so Henry Godwin filled in for him and got slotted in his position as Bundy got phased out. This will come in sort of later. Another oddity was uh, Fantasio doing a magician gimmick. This was the guy known as Harry uh, Derrio in uh, (laughs) Memphis. Doing the same thing as a spellbinder, and he was going to be called Maurice the Magnificent, but they went with a more dignified Fantasio. He had uh, one televised match with Tony DeVito, who you may remember from ECW and ROH, where he pulled out Tony's underwear and rolled him up for the win. Because magic. And did the same thing to Earl Hebner post-match, and um, he may have had like a house show match, and that was it, so I don't know why they even bothered airing his TV match. But what's really interesting is that I found this on YouTube under the official WWE account, who posted it in a, uh, gosh, get a load of this kind of way. <laughs> and when did they really reach this point where they could point out how bad and absurd some things were? Because, you know, stuff like old warrior promos, you know, got then they're like, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so the amount of Nailed time it. before one of their campy things, quote-unquote, wrestled crap, becomes something they'd make fun of themselves? Mm. I don't know. It, uh, yeah, because... Theoretically, you have to take all that stuff at face value. Um, I remember the WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal where on that pay-per-view they were like, this stuff sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe it? Although who knows what what falls into that these days. Because a lot of stuff, like Doink, who would have thought that uh, Doink would be... I guess it's... Doink sort of toes the line where they're like, can you believe... We had a, a doink, but also he gets that Tatanka thing where it's like, hey, remember this guy? How good he was? You don't? Mm. Well, he's back. Good news. <laughs> was Fantasio uh, in the gimmick battle royal? I don't think so. I don't believe so, no. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe he was there and he was invisible. <laughs> So did he win or not? Uh, by chic rules, it depends. I don't think he ever went over the top, so... Well, I guess we wouldn't know. No, we don't. All right. The Astrodome oh, no. has been destroyed since then, so he's tragically <laughs> dead, waiting there. to get his hand raised. <laughs> he likely would have starved to death long before that. Good so. point. So, was um, he in the ring for WrestleMania 25? Was he there the whole time? Well, when <laughs> Wasn't that in the same arena? Uh, it was definitely in Houston because they had a problem. <laughs> I don't... Again. Yeah, the main event. 
um, there's so much many uh, name changes with the corporations and such that, and not the million dollar corporation, mm. but it's hard to keep track of certain places. The words Reliant Stadium keep popping into my head, but that's I believe so. That's it. Seems like that's something new. I don't know. Anyway. Nor care. <laughs> exactly. All right. On Superstars, Skip was having a match with Barry Horowitz. Barry got in some early offense, as he's wont to do, but Skip took over, was certainly in control, nothing out of the ordinary. Skip started doing some push-ups in the ring, then got three-quarter Nelson, and guess what, Justin? He kicked out and then won with his finisher, the body, in quotation marks, slam. (laughs) Correct. Horowitz wins. Huh? Horowitz wins. Wins. It was uh, it was great in the sense that they they dropped some subtle hints to, like the angle early in the year where he got the intercontinental shot, but they never they never beat you over the head with it, and it ended up being a huge surprise. And they had a ten minute challenge a few weeks later. Barry survived and won that too, and also came down to ringside and kind of sort of made Skip lose to Shawn Michaels. Uh, this was all interesting and well done. I kind of wondered what the end game was, like how far they were at least thinking of going, because it didn't end up going terribly far, but. It was certainly moving at the time. I mean, I guess he was still... I think he made it all the way to being in the Royal Rumble with his music and all that, so I suppose it seems like Horowitz, the beloved babyface, could have gone farther, but um, it was like it was just about the right amount of time. Now, his theme music was uh, Hava Nagila. As a, a man of the Jewish faith, did you get a, uh, a little kick out of that? Very much so. <laughs> the, uh, the last name Scheister, of Erwin R. Scheister, was one of the first embodiments of my faith and the use of uh, the proud Yiddish language, but there weren't, weren't a whole lot of high-level Jewish athletes at the time, to the point where I remember that Valery Kamensky of the Colorado Avalanche, who I think was... About to win the Stanley Cup that year? Let's see, we're in July. Maybe he had just won the Stanley Cup. He may have been the biggest Jewish national hero at that point, athletically. <laughs> so very hard. Yes, exactly. Because Johnny Polo wasn't doing anything at that point, as far as I know. Mm. He dropped up the face of the earth. So. <laughs> he had taken a dark a dark turn. So. <laughs> yep. Now, did you have to explain to people what that was, or... Uh were you in a Jewish community where uh, other fans instantly understood? Hava Nagila? Yeah. Uh, I can't say it came up that often. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. Any more than I had to explain, like, hey, you realize that's the uh, the national anthem of the country that that heel is coming out to. <laughs> uh, no, Hava Nagila is not the Israeli national anthem for what it's worth. I appreciate that. Uh, in your house, too, the Lumberjacks. And um, I don't believe they had these pithy titles ahead of time, but they may have been in the magazines and uh, on the home video releases to differentiate them. But uh, actually a pretty damn good show, mainly carried by Shawn Michaels beating Jeff Jarrett for the IC title in a really awesome 20-minute match, the highlight being Shawn just straight out getting backdropped out of the ring onto the floor. Um the match ended when the roadie accidentally tripped Jarrett and Sean hit the super kick for the win. They had some real good chemistry. It's a shame they were never in a position to work together again. Uh, also, more on that in a second, but just because the timing and the face-heel alignments never seemed to line up. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, since the show was in Nashville, they also had Jar perform with My Baby Tonight. And uh, shame iTunes wasn't around back then. I think it kind of would have done pretty good. So they uh, have put it up there now. I think that's why they don't uh, take advantage of that now. I have someone, I don't know, PMB do something. <laughs> yeah, they put the links to their um, themes up where it's like get mm-hmm. Wade Barrett version 36 <laughs> <laughs> for now. But yeah, I mean, in that era of like weird songs, the Hacksaw Jim Duggan singing a song about WrestleMania type songs. I think they could have had a, a jingle with Jillian level hit uh, with, with It's My Baby Tonight, for sure. <laughs> when we first talked about this, you didn't remember a jingle with Jillian, and I hope now you've gone back and listened to all of it. Yes, I certainly did. They sing like this. <laughs> Must be Santa, Santa Claus. She was very good. She sure was. Uh, yeah, I'm still upset. I really like Wade Barrett's. I think the last theme he had until they updated the children's it. Children's Choir, or is that the choir one? No, the one before that. The one about not caring anymore. Mm, yeah, which I, I, is actually more fitting to him right now because I don't think he's been on TV since that cage match with Daniel Bryan after SummerSlam. Yeah, is he hurt or just... I don't know. You know. He's a major crack on the JBL and Cole show. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Where's Ezekiel Jackson? That's... Um, I, that I can't tell you. All right. Uh, the opener was the roadie versus the one two three kid, and they matched the roadie one with a top rope pile driver. Like closure hasn't imagined a top rope pile driver, and that's what it was. And the kid just came back from a broken neck too. Like they like CM Punk got yelled after doing the <laughs> pile driver, John Cena. So uh, yeah, also and ma- what about just the on a sheer uh, Buddy Wayne grab a hold kid level? <laughs> Why are they doing a second rope pile? I guess because they're like Sean Waltman matches are the only place where anyone's going to bother to do this. Like, they weren't... They didn't steal the spot from the Diesel Sid main event. So it was just kind of like, hey, second rope pile driver. Shout out to my boy, Wade. (laughs) Uh, Also, men on a mission, defeating Razor Ramon and Savio Vega uh, in a match a lot better than I expected. And you had Lex Luger failing again as the Allied Powers lost to the tag champs, Yoko and Owen Hart. Only bad match was the main event, a Lumberjack match, hence the Lumberjack's title, between Diesel and Sid. Uh, also, Triple H's pay-per-view debut as a Lumberjack. Apparently, Sid had bone spurs, uh, bone spurs in his neck. He was more limited than usual. So that uh, that took it down a peg. And it's funny, because the heel Lumberjacks kept attacking Diesel, including Mabel, which was another warning sign right there. Uh, and, you know, so Diesel you know, like, does a dive onto them at the end. And later on in the match, Sid just leaves the ring and starts fighting the face Lumberjacks <laughs> for really no good reason. Like, I, I think it was so Sean could dive on him to start their issue, but still. And, and Diesel won, and that was, thanks, thank God, the end of the Sid feud. So it was uh, onwards and, well... <laughs> It was onward. I re- yeah, I think they basically just built the match around Sean, who had already had the match of the show. <laughs> They're like, just go out there and do some more of your shit. <laughs> so he did some kind of semi-acai uh, moonsault onto a bunch of jacks. And yeah, I forgot the diesel dive. I remember the huge angle they shot to set up SummerSlam with Babel uh, splatting diesel against the post, causing yep. him to not lose. 
<laughs> yeah, but that made him angry. Mm. You don't do that to a man. Definitely. Uh, so, big spotlight on Jeff Jarrett. Big things coming for him? No. He and the roadie left during the pay-per-view and quit the company. And according to a Jerry Jarrett interview on The Torch, <laughs> Jeff didn't like the way his character was going. And the angle obviously was going to be that roadie was the one singing in the concert. They are going to split and have a match at SummerSlam. Admittedly, it would have been quick, but... Um, I guess the idea of losing the title and being exposed as a fraud on your home field, so to speak, was too much. Uh, the roadie left out of loyalty, or he knew he was going to flunk a drug test, depending on <laughs> who you ask. And they tried to keep things going by saying Doc Hendricks said they overheard a big fight between the two. They were gone. And they would come back, albeit separately, but still. I can imagine, like, <laughs> CM Punk is really, like, someone like, I'm not happy with my character, so... <laughs> like... <laughs> CM Punk is crumpling up promos and spitting in writers' faces. <laughs> Jeff was like, yeah, I'll lose the Intercontinental Championship of the Continents and some oceans, but if you're going to decree that I have to eat the credibility killing that I was not the voice behind with my baby tonight, that's a bridge too far. Yes, that's Don't a bridge too far. <laughs> mm-hmm. In hindsight, I mean, at the time... Did you think just the notes you can achieve with a singing voice are different than your regular voice? Because it seems somewhat ridiculous, and I guess we've been exposed to a lot more Brian Armstrong in this since time, that that was Jeff Jarrett's singing voice. Were you skeptical? Uh, I guess the I wasn't, reason I was going to go, yeah, okay. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't he be singing? Sure, he stood there. He sung. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> He couldn't wait so to be on, alone with his baby tonight. <laughs> yeah. Turn the lights off, Marlon Gore. Uh, on to August. Remember uh, Fatu from the Head Shrinkers? Guy who was a savage, couldn't talk, ate raw meat? Well, no, apparently not. He was just a dude. After uh, Sione got phased out, they attempted to repackage him as a single. He had vignettes talking about growing up on the streets, making the right choices, and how he was all about making a difference. He did this by dancing, wearing bright colors, and losing. <laughs> Although not even nearly the worst thing he would do, so I guess there's that. What is the worst thing he would do? Run over the rock or the car? Well, I think more of the Sultan. Oh, (laughs) I thought you meant from a moral standpoint. No, this would be high on the list of good things he did. Definitely, yeah. It's strange that he accomplished all that when I didn't think he could speak English nor knew how to wear shoes. (laughs) Someone needed to go to him and help him out. Maybe someone uh, made the difference for him, uh, and he paid it forward. Kevin Spacey, Helen Hunt, and Haley Joel Osment style. They should have done the uh, Luke Gallows thing and just said he was on drugs. <laughs> and now he's okay. Mm. Uh, let's someone see, taught got... him uh, <laughs> hip-hopping music, and he was like, well, <laughs> I could see enjoying this. I wouldn't uh, hesitate to perhaps shake it one time. And then he was off to the races. Uh, we also got vignettes for Dean Douglas. This was Shane Douglas as an evil teacher who scraped his fingernails on the blackboard and gave unfair grades to other superstars. <laughs> also straight out of the... Follow the rubric. <laughs> also out of the what-don't-kids-like school of gimmick creation. Uh, I know people didn't like Exercise. it compared to... Exercise! <laughs> I know people didn't like it compared to uh, the franchise stuff he'd been doing in ECW, but uh, I thought it was fine. I thought uh, he was just very unlikable, which is <laughs> the point. Although, was he the dean of a school, or was his first name Dean? 
he was for sure the dean of a school, although I wouldn't have told you that at the time. I'm just like, oh, that's that man, Douglas, Dean. <laughs> Shouldn't he have been Mr. Douglas? Yeah, or although he- there was one of those. Even professor, although I guess professors don't work uh, in schools of the young members of the new generation universe at this time. <laughs> although, um... Uh, he did wear jeans a lot, so maybe he's one of those cool teachers that doesn't mind <laughs> calling him by his uh, first name. Do you think a teacher who uh, abandons his job to occasionally work professional wrestling matches is cool? Because, <laughs> personally, I do not think that kind of person is cool. In fact, I think they'd be a rather gigantic dork. I base that on nothing but supposition, though. <laughs> Is this involving Matt Stryker at all, or are we... Uh, I don't... Who? The, never mind. Who, that ROH guy? <laughs> not the unibrow one, no. All right. Uh, Glenn Jacobs used p- to be unibrow before. <laughs> I think he was unibomb, unless I missed a gimmick. That's in- well, that's strange. So he wasn't the unibomber. He was just <laughs> no, the he stuff was- he sent... I guess. <laughs> I guess Unibomber was just been in poor taste or perhaps gimmick infringement. But Unibomb. He was the okay. actual bomb. That comes Unibomb. in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> you should have teamed with S.T. Jones. You should have teamed with. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Took a I second. There I you go. I say Adam Bomb, but yours is next level <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Uh, there was not a lot of build on the way to SummerSlam. They did announce a Sean Sid IC title match. Then they realized the card wasn't looking too good, with Diesel Mabel on top. So they had Gorilla Monsoon come out and basically say the fans don't want to see that, <laughs> and replaced it with Sean and Razor in a ladder match. And uh, they added Hakushi 123Kid for the same reason, because they were still stinging from the critical reaction to King of the Ring. Rightfully and, so. Uh, <laughs> Brett uh, Isaac Yankum and Bertha Faye versus the returning Alundra Blaze rounded things out. There was talk of uh, William Perry and Steve McMichael against uh, Owen and Yoko, but that fell through. Which uh, You may wonder why the tag champs were left off SummerSlam, but we got Blues versus Smoking Guns instead. And I guess they wanted to spread some pay-per-view wealth since they were running monthly now, so I wanted to make sure everyone got something. Yeah, I mean, Bret Hart didn't even work... Uh in fact, there was a thing where sometimes one of the main eventers would be off those in your houses. Mm-hmm. Although I think the night after he had some kind of three and three quarter to four star match rematch with Hakushi. I believe you're right. Uh, something did happen on the August 21st draw, taped on August 14th, in my town of Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, not only did Adam Bomb quit, but Lex Luger gave his notice as well. This led to an angle where Men on a Mission challenged the Allied Powers on Raw. But they said Luger wasn't there due to a family emergency. So Bulldog pleaded with Diesel to take his place in the main event, and Diesel agreed. The end result was the Bulldog turning on Diesel, aligning with Jim Cornette, turning heel for, I believe, the first time, at least since he started with the WWF a decade earlier. And it was all part of the royal plan. Gasp. Uh, Let's go on to... uh, Can't believe Lex Luger would just arbitrarily not show up to Raw like that. At least that's the last time. <laughs> uh, let's talk SummerSlam 1995 in Pittsburgh, PA. My hometown. Our own Justin Shapiro. Now, um, take me back when you first heard this. Were you like, "Oh my God, it's going to be a pay per view"? So excited, like this is bigger than the whatever house show mm-hmm. comes around town. 
Oh, absolutely, I was. It was strange that they were saying it on TV, because Pittsburgh was a place I'd been to. Maybe the only <laughs> place. I guess, yeah, we took some vacations to places, but I couldn't believe the larger-than-life superstars <laughs> and their larger-than-life. It was really the SummerSlam I thought I'd never see. <laughs> I would have been fine with Sean Sid. <laughs> So, um, so you know it's coming. You're super excited. And then they start announcing the card. You still super excited, or were you downtrodden by the, uh, by the removal of the uh, <laughs> I did not have the concept of good and bad yet. Anytime they had an event center and announced a new match, it just got me more excited. I was like, a match? More of them? Well, this is excellent news. <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll... we'll Start with the main event first. Um, they hadn't really worked out the idea of a buffer match yet, so Diesel and Mabel had to follow a 25-minute Sean Razor ladder match, and it was just the most superfluous thing ever. Like, <laughs> at one point, Mabel just shouts out, "I'm going to be the fa- first Black World Champion." It's like, "Hey, why you got to bring race into this?" Mm-hmm. But uh, earlier in the show, they showed the British Bulldog arriving, the overtone being he's going to interfere. So during the match, Mabel bumps the ref. Uh, Mo comes in; he's interfering. So Lex Luger comes running in, and immediately Diesel punches him and clotheslines him out of the ring. And then later, Luger gets up and attacks Mo and sends him to the back. And uh, I don't know what happened to Davy Boy. And um, <laughs> also, apparently, Diesel told Mabel not to... Uh, his back was hurting, so he told <laughs> Mabel to stay away from it. So Mabel responded by dropping all his weight on Diesel's back at one point. And um, Diesel ended up winning with a shoulder block off the second rope. Luger's uh, yeah. certainly a weird dude around SummerSlam time. <laughs> like, 1993, he was so vain that uh, he was the reincarnation of a Greek myth. And then, in one moment, he got super into the USA. And then the yeah. next year, all of his motives were called into question. And then this year, all of his motives were called into question. <laughs> that dude is shady as shit. But at least he's a loyal WWF employee for the most part. Main event aside, it was a strong, strong show. Do you have a preference for ladder match one or two? Uh, I think from a, an ob- objective analysis of the aesthetics, you would have to mark down the second one since he blows Shawn Michaels and screws up the finish. But to his, in fairness, that seems like an incredibly difficult thing to pull off. Mm. Um, I think I, I like Sean working as a babyface better yeah, than and Razor Ramon was a very mean man kicking him in the leg. He was. And uh, let's see. Yeah, like I said, they went out of the way to have good matches on the show. So Akushi and Kid was good. Skip Barry Horowitz was really good. And um, even things like Triple H, Bob Hawley, and the Blues Guns weren't bad. Kama and The Undertaker had a casket match that wasn't very good, but they had one that was a dark match, and I think in your house too. That was just like probably the worst thing I saw all in 1995. And uh, Dean Douglas was rating everyone the whole night, and I guess Razor didn't like his grade because he punched out Dean, which I uh, don't recommend doing that to your teachers. Mm. Mm. And uh, let's see, August saw the last episode of Wrestling Challenge, so we were down to Raw, which was one hour, <laughs> Superstars in the Action Zone, and maybe Mania. Which, uh, Superstars uh, really in the Action one. Zone oftentimes showed the same matches, right? There was a lot of overlap, I feel. Yeah. So, um, 
TV rights fees weren't anywhere what they are now, <laughs> so I guess we were still in the uh, era when pay-per-view was king. There have been house shows, then pay-per-view, and I guess television rights now. Pay-per-view, if anything, was about to peak, really, because WCW invented the process where they said, well, we get money for these pay-per-views. It's right there in the name. What if we just, <laughs> what if we just had them all the time? We'd get all that money. And WWF followed suit. There you go. All right, on to uh, September. I suppose the first thing we should cover is a little show called WCW Nitro, or it was as it was originally titled, Head to Head. Uh, they, WCW started their own Monday night television show directly opposite Raw, and this was the beginning of the Monday Night Wars. Did you have any recollections? Were you interested at the time? Did you know about it ahead of time? Were you just flipping channels? And it's like, oh, what's this? I saw an ad for it on WCW Saturday night. I was confused. Uh, I don't think I watched the first few, not even the fabled Labor Day one when Raw skipped out, because I don't think it occurred to me that it was going to be significantly more important than Saturday night, so I thought if I just stuck with the mothership, I'd be okay. (laughs) And uh, then I think by the time we got into October, I was definitely flipping back and forth. Mm. The, uh, We're really at a point show. now in, in our conversations where you can't talk about what's happening in WWF in a given year without mentioning what's going on correspondingly on uh, Nitro. Well, that's very true. Uh, the first show was um, quite good and noteworthy. You had Brian Pillman, Jushin Liger, a Flair Sting match, and Hogan, Big Bubba, along with the surprise return of Lex Luger. Turns out Luger had earlier given his notice uh, earlier in the year. They kept negotiating, so... He's working without a contract. Apparently he said he would stay until October, worked a house show Sunday, and showed up on Nitro for Monday. So, uh, yeah. And Just um, kind of that first... Uh, I don't even know. It was like, whoa, this is... Like, you know, jumps weren't like shocking like that. Like, someone didn't really show up the next day like this. It seemed there would be a, a lapse in time. Yeah, I mean, Rick Rude made a surprise at the um, Clash of the Champions, but he had been in exile for like a year at that point. Yeah, he'd been gone for a year, and he showed up as the Halloween Phantom at Halloween Havoc. Steamboat, I guess, had a pretty quick yeah, turnaround because he said, uh, oh, I'm just going to retire. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm a tag champ. <laughs> That is true, but... Um, but Luger, maybe he had amnesia and just showed up in the wrong place, because he was like, hey, sharpshooter guy, guy who won the belt at uh, MSG in, like, 30 seconds. It's your boy, made in the USA, Lex Luger. Can you trust me? Inquisitive. Mystery. <laughs> uh, what was interesting about Nitro is that it was live, whereas they taped four Raws in one night. And Well, wrestling was certainly moving away from the all-squash format, we had seen increasingly competitive matches on Raw for a while. Uh, like Nitro just went nuts with it. Like, they gave away the first Hogan-Luger match on week two of Nitro with no build. Uh, <laughs> and the first Hogan-Sting match the night after Survivor Series. And lastly, and maybe the main reason it was a war, is WCW went on the offensive. Eric Bischoff would constantly take pot shots at Raw during Nitro, seeing how Luger was rusty because he'd been facing such shitty competition. Uh, they ran bumpers showing stars who used to be in WCW but moved on to the WWF doing jobs, which they stopped when those stars came back to WCW. (laughs) 
uh, Eric Bischoff gave away taped Raw results, mainly the Sean Sid IC title match that was bumped off SummerSlam. And I know Dave Meltzer said it didn't help ratings, and Eric did come off terribly, but like from a perception standpoint, that had to mean something, right? Like the two companies ignored each other forever outside of like the most veiled pot shots, and now WCW is taking direct shots. And it was like seeing your parents openly fight instead of being icy and distant, you know? It was exactly that, yeah. Uh, things like uh, what's to come with uh, one Deborah Maselli also may have not turned the ratings tide, but it made you say, Jesus, calm down, WCW. <laughs> and I guess uh, so about four months it simmered in a one-sided fashion, and then uh, I guess we'll talk about that next time. Indeed. Uh, it was setting the stage. Their bitchiness and ruthless aggression set the stage to make the NWO so big when it was like, oh no, they're here and they're pissed about all those things we did. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Nitro debuted, as you noted, on a week Raw didn't air. Remember those days? Uh, Raw came back on 9 11. Never forget, with a new opening. <laughs> Do you remember the ring on top of Titan Towers and all the helicopters? Run! I just remember running at a fence. Get to the <laughs> fence. Where, uh, <laughs> if you remember the um, the DX Titan Tron with the the cop, the shot of the cops running towards the camera, that's where it was from. Uh, it cost them two hundred thousand dollars, which um, they were they were in a phase of having like live set pieces open raw, which did give us the iconic Austin walking into a factory. <laughs> Shot, but now it's just it's the you know. lights in the stop and the go on the beat. Laugh at it to lay face down. The uh, I remember Confidential once did a startling expose, or maybe whatever came before Confidential. Excess, excess, excess. Uh, <laughs> I like excess. <laughs> and it was like behind the scenes of the 1995 Raw shoot. And there's not an interesting thing to say about it. You just have Bruce Pritchard be like, we went on the roof, and, uh... <laughs> yeah, so... We filmed it, and we edited it. From the roof. Yep. It cost him $200,000 for something no one remembered at all. <laughs> and I think going the route of uh, of clips and uh, your uh, Nickelback song or what have you for the day is the, the better route. Yeah, I do have to say when they use that Nickelback song, uh, that song as a statement of the human condition, <laughs> terrible, as a wrestling theme song, totally okay with it. Thought it worked just fine. They're going out tonight. And everything and um and everything in sight. Staying up late, not doing our homework, asking for an extension. Something like that, yes. We're going to the world stops burning down, but we're down, down tonight. I just want to be, want to be loved. Yeah, the want to be loved one. Um. Whoa. Uh-oh. I just want to be, want to be loved. I want domination. I want another Asian. I'm going <laughs> to roll the dice. I never look back. I never think twice. You always think of the the song embodying the lead babyface of the time and his personal ethos, and certainly John Cena wanted all. Wanted to be loved. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, what's uh, what's funny is while well, WCW gave away results, the WWF started airing clips of matches that were already in the can, so to speak, <laughs> to air next week as like a cliffhanger, like. 
This, that <laughs> will happen next week. <laughs> Seeing them work like two spots in ten seconds, it was like a dream sequence. <laughs> Imagine what that, that'll be like. <laughs> Uh, the Observer reported there was some talk of Dustin Rhodes coming in as a heel with a gunslinger type of gimmick. Incorrect. He was, in fact, coming in as Goldust, a Hollywood-loving bodysuit, makeup, and wig-wearing bizarre individual. This was really, really strange, and dare I say, a bit ahead of its time. And the character certainly proved far more durable and endearing than any of us would have guessed, given he is a current tag champion. <laughs> had several of the best pay-per-view matches in the last few months and is regarded as one of the better workers in the company. Yeah, I'd say it worked out. At the time, I'm (laughs) sure there was an on-through-the-Tafka-gag years. There was a thing of like, let Dustin wrestle. Let him be the wrestling machine Nick Dinsmore. Get him out of there. He was the natural (laughs) man, the natural. But seems like, ultimately... Because the thing that derailed his career repeatedly off and on over the next 17 years was more himself than, than the indignity of gold dust. Yeah, it's like, in 95, you know, if you said, hey, gold dust will still be around as a character 18 years from now and teaming with his half-brother, it sounds so weird, but, you know, you just roll with it. Like, like Brian Danielson forming a tag team with Kane. Like, it's one of those <laughs> things, if he went back five years and said that, wouldn't have bought it, but... There you go. And if he was the gunslinger, I'm not so sure. I would have asked. <laughs> I don't quite think so. Oh, hey. <laughs> Do you remember where the initial confusion of those reports that he was coming in as the gunslinger were? No. Uh, <laughs> well, Meltzer got a, uh, a postcard about it with all the scoops from J.J. Uh, Dillon. <laughs> he would send it in the post, and he wrote in cursive. And uh, Dave misread <laughs> gunslinger. He thought it said gunslinger, but uh, the G's and the consonants and all that all jumbled up. It actually <laughs> said, come liquor. <laughs> that was a long way to go for that joke. The PG era of our show is <laughs> over, Joe. <laughs> Nikki Bella mailing boxes of dildos to our house. <laughs> Boxes, you say. <laughs> yes, well, it goes right in the box. <laughs> oh, that's a low point or a high point for this show. I'm not sure which. No. <laughs> okay, we settled that. Oh, goodness. I uh, had a chance to not do it again, <laughs> and I took it, and then I regretted it. I thought history would be incomplete. And then you took it a step further <laughs> with the addition of Total Divas uh, Thank God. trivia. <laughs> Thank goodness. Looking oh, forward. I goodness. mean, they were, as we speak, taping that Total Divas with the eight All Japan women. <laughs> we're going to do this. <laughs> oh, that's, I guess that's true. Yeah. Hopefully that shows up on the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, since Razor attacked Dean Douglas at SummerSlam, Douglas challenged Razor's friend, the 123 Kid, on Superstars. Douglas had the match won, but kept pulling the kid up, which brought out Razor, who eventually attacked Douglas for the DQ, which pissed off the kid. Kid returned the favor by getting Razor DQ'd accidentally in a match against the Bulldog on the next draw. So to settle this, they decided to have a match, which the kid won. When Douglas interfered, but Justin, things were still okay. Everything's okay. Well, they'd been bros for a long time, and they... Yeah. Bros fight. I mean, you and I, we had uh, those three years where we weren't speaking to each other <laughs> and recording it. 
but we worked it out. <laughs> uh, last note of uh, anything. Uh, Ted DiBiase insulted Henry O'Godwin during an episode of The Action Zone, leaving the Hogman to slop DiBiase and make his ill-fated face turn. He started feuding with Sid and promptly got powerbombed on the floor for his troubles. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> there was a show in Montreal Do you think September Sid 30th. had <laughs> His <laughs> chores growing up in West Memphis, Arkansas Had powerbombed many And disobedient <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can rule it out at this point Was he booked from Arkansas Or from I know he was anywhere he damn well pleases in, uh, Or darn well pleases I think in WCW I remember Gary Michael Capetta <laughs> Dropping that Sid. Well, please. <laughs> uh, I think so. He was psycho with an S. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, there was a show in Montreal on September 15th where Diesel went to a double countout with Jean Pierre Lafitte. If that sounds like an odd result, it's because Lafitte refused to do the job. Montreal had been drawing well. He was a part of that, and he felt a jackknife finish would not would hurt not only him, but future attendants. And again, can you imagine anyone doing this today? Like, again, maybe punk is what I keep coming back to in <laughs> Chicago. But um, anyway, the next night in Quebec, uh, Lafitte went for a drop kick, uh, a leg drop, I should say, and sat on Diesel's face. So Diesel started throwing legit punches and jackknifed him promptly for the win. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know why all Rougeau Quebecer associates have that kind of stroke in Montreal, but... This is right around the same time, uh, or no, maybe, did Jacques pin Hollywood Hogan in uh, Montreal? So it must have been the next year. That was, uh, yeah, I think 90, 96 or 97, I want to say. So, uh, sure, got to keep them strong, I guess. We should probably bring up the click uh, now. They were a, a backstage group consisting of Sean, Diesel, Razor, Triple H, and The Kid, a group of friends who had a lot of pull. And it was after this series of events, I believe they basically went on strike until Vince came to placate them. Uh, what's funny is no one ever denies any of this. Like, they're like, yep, that was us. Pulling the strings. Uh, Stone Cold's ears perked up as soon as he Of course, think, it was a rot. Can you imagine, uh, I think, he's endlessly fascinated by the damn click. And just wants to hear about it. I picture him at the height of like 316, uh, 1999, Steve Austin going to um, like the Scott Keith GeoCities site to read the, <laughs> the fact to be like, tell me about the damn click. What was going on? All right, uh, greatest source of interest to Stone Cold Steve Austin: the click, uh, Doctor D slapping John Stossel, or. Um What's the last one? Oh, Eddie Graham is a Finnish man. <laughs> um, do you want me to answer, or do you want me to give you a full shoot answer? <laughs> Whatever you want. I know if you go to, again, his 1999 Ask Jeeves browser history, <laughs> he was saying, Jeeves, tell me about the damn click. <laughs> tell me about the curtain call. How did that, I mean, I... I was actually employed at the time, and I'm still just like, what? I didn't bother to ask anyone in the 15 years in between. I've always wanted to know. No, I think Dr. D trumps it, and uh, he asked Wade Keller about it. He's finally going to get to the bottom of it when he talks to Dave Meltzer <laughs> shortly, I think. 
Why not just talk to David Schultz? He's still around, right? <laughs> have him on. That's the guy. Yeah. He had, if uh, he had a week, he could have Dr. D. David Schultz on. Mm-hmm. Uh, length of file, 10 minutes. And then <laughs> another one I could, with John Stossel, for me to immediately delete before it started automatically downloading. <laughs> Which one did you delete the fastest when you saw the... Um the show description. Um, Ted Fowler talking deer hunting just went whoop, right yep. in. Uh-huh. That you were had a rough match for a while, but uh, we should mention um, the rival clique backstage called the Bone Street Crew, composed of the Undertaker, Yokozuna, Savio, Fatu, Hog, and others, which you didn't really hear about. It was just kind of <laughs> less fascinating to Austin. <laughs> the oral history of the bone thugs in harmony. <laughs> Would that be called the crossroads? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is connected. Shyamalan was right. <laughs> Again, I have to laugh because Triple H was in the middle of all this, and now he's in power, and uh, there are, I believe, no clicks of any sort backstage. Just kind of everyone just, okay, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, a, a great fraternity and esprit de corps of everyone who is not Triple H being like, <laughs> what the fuck is Triple H's problem? <laughs> oh, well. Uh, this brings us to In Your House 3, Triple Threat. Uh, the story here was a tag match between Diesel and Sean against Yoko and Owen, and whoever scored the pinfall would get that respective title, meaning if Owen pinned Sean, he would get the IC title. If uh, Diesel pinned Yoko, he and Sean would win the tag titles. Uh, the story of the show was that Owen wasn't there, so Jim Cornette had to find a replacement, leading to vignettes with Sid and Mabel. Uh, the Mabel one was great, because they were all looking at the camera wing for their cue. When the camera was on, and they had to be like, uh, talking. <laughs> um, the question is, why wouldn't you jump at this? You have nothing to lose. Like, if you and, Lo- uh, if you and Yokozuna lose, big deal. You weren't a tag champ anyway. And they ended up going with the British Bulldog, who Cornette managed... Anyway, so whatever. Why but, not ask uh, him first? <laughs> and he also I had guess a match. He, did, he worked yeah. twice. Yeah, exactly. He's not a full but, uh, but uh, they have the match. Owen runs in at the end anyway. Immediately gets power bombed and pinned, or so we thought. Uh, also on that show, Waylon Mercy lost to Savio Vega, and they did so many near vols. I think uh, Spivey was having all Japan flashbacks <laughs> and. I always thought uh, Mercy was too injured, and then they just jobbed him out, but he wrestled a few more shows, so I don't know what they were doing. Maybe you could call this a Mercy killing. <laughs> was it the WWF.com on AOL.com? No. Something, uh, something about those words in that order wasn't right. But they would have had a pun-based headline on that. Oh, I bet they would. Mercy killing. We wish him luck on his uh, future endeavors. Parentheses, Dan Spicy. <laughs> Dan Spicy. Uh, a lot of nothing on this show. Sid beat Godwin. Bulldog beat Bam Bam. Uh, Dean Douglas beat Razor Ramon. And um, there's a moment where the ref was knocked out and Razor had the cover. So the kid runs in and counts the phantom pinfall and then acts like, you know... You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, like, what What good did this do? And in the confusion, Douglas rolled up Ramon for the pin. So, I don't know. The lone bright spot was Brett versus Jean-Pierre Lafitte in an excellent action-packed match, which saw, uh, again, Lafitte take a flat-back bump to the floor like Sean. 
the seat being a good 100 pounds or so heavier. And um, I don't know, Brett versus goofballs may have been refuted. <laughs> yeah, at the very least, that was the, we. I think, did last time I float the idea of instead of the corporation, they would have ran with Sonny's Honeys for the year. <laughs> you should have had her manage all of Brett's enemies. Or even with Harvey Whippleman still under contract, and he could have sent a series of Whipple men after Bret Hart. <laughs> Whipple men. Such a strange... Uh, like, granted, CM Punk wrestling Heyman guys and the Wyatts is, was interesting once he got past Brock Lesnar and wasn't sure how to keep that going. But Bret Hart, a true collection of weirdos. <laughs> with weird occupations. Ghost... Dentist, oh, she's a ghost. Uh, uh, <laughs> pirate, and uh, finally, <laughs> yes, cleared cleared the deck here, and was like, maybe I could start wrestling wrestlers again. Yeah, got my beloved. What did he take? The sunglasses, the jacket, both. I believe just the jacket. Okay. Finally got it back. And was yep. ready. So the next night we got what I believe was the the debut of Clarence Mason argue that since Owen wasn't legally in the match, the tag title change should not take place. Clarence Girl. Mason is the bomb. <laughs> uh, Gorilla Monsoon agreed, returned the belts to Yoko and Owen. He did order a defense against the Smoking Guns, who, when you know it, won the belt. So <laughs> thanks for those pay-per-view dollars. Yeah, I uh, I don't understand what was so hard about that match. Like, If it was that much of a pickle to change the tag team championships. Why did they just end up on the smoking guns the next day? Why didn't Sean and Diesel just win? I guess they would have had to vacate them again. <laughs> but I don't know. still, I don't know. Why book that match? They booked themselves into a corner. Yeah. A triangle. Uh, uh, Mario Gennetti came back, because why not? And he was he in was a phase right time. <laughs> he kept wearing these outfits that made him look like a chicken because they all have this fringe everywhere, and it was it was not the best look. He was a right? a lost rocker. It was time because Marty, based on one of our favorite motifs of this show, the Santana Martel feud for life, he comes mm-hmm. back and Sean is a baby face. Tough for him to achieve anything. That's true. He had lost direction. Uh. <laughs> On to October, in a, an odd note, during the October 2nd show, you could vote on the hotline whether O.J. Simpson was guilty or not. I guess they didn't have the app yet, so that's the way they had to go. The money was did supposed this, to go to a... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Did this tie into the, the um, Cato, big Cato deal from the summer? <laughs> I got back for it. Got their revenge. Yeah. Uh, the money was supposed to go to abuse children's funds who weren't contacted ahead of time and weren't too happy to receive money in this fashion. <laughs> Go figure. Sounds like the way they would receive actual uh, large bags with dollar signs on them. <laughs> that kind of donation. Here we go. Uh, Bill Watts had been brought in, and which led to this story in The Observer. And what was maybe the most interesting story, there was a big team meeting before the September pay-per-view, where Vince announced that Bill Watts would be taking over a larger amount of the creative end, and Vince would focus on being a corporate executive. And while he would work with Watts, he wouldn't overrule him. Vince also blasted WCW for having a show on Monday instead of Tuesday or Wednesday, saying they were just trying to hurt the WWF. Watts said that at the time 
that with the Time Warner merger, that Turner would become a minority partner in the business, would you give him as much say-so as a janitor? It said not to be surprised to see TBS drop the wrestling company altogether. McMahon responded by saying he hoped it wouldn't happen, because overall that would be bad for business, for the business. Hmm. This brought up a discussion of what were to happen if WCW were to go out of business. McMahon gave the impression he didn't care for the talent in WCW, and was particularly negative toward Hulk Hogan, who he said would never work in the WWF again. He did. <laughs> and Lex Luger, who he repeatedly said will see him in court. They didn't. Uh, his most positive comments were directed at Sting, Brian Pillman, and Harlem Heat. Vince added that to go live would cost $135,000 a week, and they couldn't afford that, and noted WCW will never be able to, e- to beat the WWF because they had the better talent, better production, and better booking. Also, three weeks later, Vince overruled Watts, and he quit. <laughs> there goes that booking. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, uh, yeah. There's many. <laughs> if only he'd been more patient. He'd look like a real smart guy. Vince, no. Booker T was, I guess he didn't buy him as part of the sale, but he was right. Six years later, he said, I'll take some of that oh. Booker T. Not sure at the time he was as interested in... Uh, Steve Yeah, or, well, what was... I wonder if Paige had already won the lottery at that point, or lost all the lottery, or was the TV champion over the summer? Who knows? I think that would have been... Nine, he held the belt in 95. I think the Mystery Benefactor was early-ish 96. I may be wrong. So he could have been in prime Max Muscle era and DDP at that point. <laughs> yep. Moving with uh, dynamic resistance. You know who had a rough October? Ron Michaels. <laughs> I suppose that's October. true. <laughs> <laughs> First on October 5th, the Blue Twins were on their way out, and I guess they had a beef with Sean presumably for him acting like Shawn Michaels, they cornered him backstage at a charity event and put the fear of God into him. And then on the 13th, Shawn Kidd and Bulldog were out in Syracuse. Uh, the story I'd always heard was that a group of Marines, or at least guys with short haircuts, were looking for a fight, or Shawn got flirty with one of their women, uh, and they gave him a beatdown. I guess the story is the girlfriend of a bouncer at one of the bars was giving Shawn and company a ride home. And these guys were yelling insults at her and pulled Sean out of the car and pummeled him while Sean was basically unconscious and intoxicated. Bottom line, Sean got beat up, and this would have several important storyline ramifications. The crazy thing is that charity event that he was confronted the Harris's by was not even a charity event. It was another indignity for that Boys and Girls Club who got the uh, O.J. Simpson donation. <laughs> I think a loaded Shawn Michaels just showed up. <laughs> and was like, there's old HBK anyway. Who wants <laughs> to dance? <laughs> so Ron and Donna, they come give him the H-bomb. But yeah, those uh, same Marines then, uh, however many years later, round two with Drew McIntyre and Alberto Del Rio. (laughs) Still undefeated. (laughs) Do you think any of them were ever at a tribute to the Troop show? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Based on um, stop losses and the Iraq War, I think there's a pretty good chance. Uh also having a rough, a rough month was um, The Undertaker, because Mabel broke his face. Uh, this was actually at a house show on October 7th in Providence. Mabel went to throw a clothesline, was too far away, and broke Undertaker's orbital bone. 
The active like this retroactively happened on a six-man tag with Yoko and Mabel doing the damage. That was actually taped on September 15th, aired October 9th. Long story short, Undertaker was out for a bit as well. Previewed in Dream Sequence October 2nd. <laughs> uh, do you remember Barry Dedinsky? He I think he's one of those guys with like hawk t-shirts in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess someone held a poll of what wrestling personality you would want to see powerbombed, and he finished on top, so he got <laughs> yanked off TV, which was a double slap in the face, I have to say. Yeah. Josh Matthews takes bumps all the time. Why didn't he just get it? <laughs> just get power. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Well, Josh puts that wrestling training to good use. That's right. <clears throat> Trained in the hot tub with Chris Chris <laughs> Key and Smelly Daryl and the whole crew. <laughs> what if that tough enough had made a nexus? That'd be a cool group. <laughs> oh, God. It, that would have turned out worse than it did for the original. <laughs> but what splinter groups would we have? Like, instead of the core, mm. the, the center. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What is, uh, what is that place that Big would always take them to? Tracks? Sorry, has the double consonants. <laughs> Tracks. <laughs> oh my goodness um, There was talk of Tom Brandy Also known as Johnny Gunn Coming in with an Eric Estrada chips gimmick <laughs> He did end up coming in As Salvatore Sincere So whether he got an upgrade or not I leave it to you Speaking of gimmicks Al Snow was rumored to come in with a crow gimmick Which would have, uh, would have Possibly changed uh, history a little bit If Sting had been unable To, uh, to be the crow Yeah Yeah which is crazily ironic since Brandon Lee disembodied head got carried around that set. <laughs> His last words were, help me. <laughs> that, that was unnecessarily mean. I don't know why. Sometimes yes. the silence makes me go to dark places just like Sting. Do you remember the alternate gimmick you had come up with uh, for Sting? Had the crow been taken? <laughs> no. It was a real estate state. Cain oh. <laughs> Perhaps Faye not basically becomes <laughs> real estate Steve. <laughs> real estate claim. Uh, PG-13 got a random two-week run. Uh, winning Mason a squash. is the bomb. <laughs> Losing a tag match to the guns. And uh, speaking of white boy tag teams, Public Enemy would work the dark match at Survivor Series 1995. Which I only bring up because that was the first internet argument I ever had, where some guy just refused to believe this was true. Because it just didn't make sense. I believe he was a pretty diehard ECW guy and couldn't fathom. Oh, why they would go somewhere that rules, leave <laughs> somewhere that rules for somewhere that sucks. Along those lines, yes. For Junior's Circus in New York? <laughs> Yeah, I think New York was still a, an appropriate name at that point. <laughs> there was a time when they weren't even running, like, New York City, where the the name New York kind of lost them. I guess the, the, 95 is the year they should have been called Connecticut more than any. Because <laughs> that's where for one, that's was. where WrestleMania was. For two, that clutch, incorrect venue really got Vince off of uh, his steroid charges. <laughs> Thanks, Connecticut. Linda, 2016. 
the big angle of the month was Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid trying to settle their differences. And they, they had a match on the uh, <laughs> October second Raw, previewed uh, September twenty fifth. Uh, Razor won with a clothesline. The kid ordered the match to continue, because I guess you can do that. Razor beat him again. Uh, repeat again. Razor won with the cradle. Finally, that was enough. Everything was okay. Yep. In fact, they teamed up, won a match against the Blues to earn a tag title shot on pay-per-view. <clears throat> the uh, last thing of any note, match between The Undertaker, Diesel, and Sean against Bulldog, Yoko, and Owen. We talked about that saw Bulldog score a rare pinfall on Diesel, albeit after a Yoko leg drop. Uh, big schmoz afterwards, Dean Douglas further injured Sean. And, uh, also, Undertaker got his face busted, which had happened previously. Uh, or later, no, it happened previously. The match happened before that, but aired afterwards anyway. It was uh, one of those negative seven-day doom yeah, world tag title reigns. <laughs> I believe it was the Freebirds and... Um, I think Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater also had a negative <laughs> Uh Bulldog also got into Diesel's head by causing him to lose to Wayland Mercy by countout on Superstars. Diesel went back and jackknifed Mercy for, I believe, his final appearance, which he quit soon afterwards for his successful modeling career. Jackknife and Mercy is uh, my favorite band on the, the Kevin Dunn <laughs> WWE, the In Your Face soundtrack. Just the theme for Survivor Series. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank Jackknife Mercy. <laughs> They're my favorite band. Ha! <laughs> They're no the gentry. <laughs> and then JBL, who wants to argue with everything, would be like, "It's not true, but I have to admit, <laughs> Jackknife Mercy is pretty good." All right. <laughs> <sighs> uh, let's go on to In Your House Four, Great White North, from possibly Canada. Um. Really unheralded, Canadian terrible. Stampede. I've heard a lot about this show. <laughs> no. Not as good as you may have heard. An unheralded, uh, terrible pay-per-view. Maybe not bottom ten, because it was just so inconsequential, but quite, quite bad. And um, I'm not alone in feeling this way, because after the show went off the air, Vince threw his headset <laughs> down, mouthed horrible, and stormed off. Um, is really hurt by having neither Brett nor Sean nor Undertaker on there. <laughs> and um, started off with Triple H beating Fatu, which was fine. And then uh, Henry Godwin match for the World Championship five years later in like a shot they did. good match. That's right. And um, yeah, the the great old days. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. Oh, Henry Godwin tried to slop Triple H in retaliation for Triple H removing the slop bucket on superstars, kicking off their epic feud. Uh, we have the tag title match, which was fine. Razor had the win after the Razor's Edge. The kid insisted on being tagged in to score the pin, and when he was, he was quickly rolled up. So, distraught as he was, he attacked the guns post-match, but apologized the next night. Everything was still okay. We had the Goldust debut against Mari Gennetti. It went 12 minutes and was just scary heatless. Like, I, you have to feel now they would they would just give up after after that debut, but... Uh, had a little more patience back then. It would have been what happened with the uh, the fake cane. Oh yeah, it's like two matches. They're like, nope, <laughs> Mordecai. Just <laughs> forget ever happened. Yeah, Mordecai got, but uh, fake cane had like two matches, and I don't think it was ever really explained to anyone's satisfaction. But um, Undertaker was supposed to wrestle Mabel, 
But since Yoko and Mabel injured him, in storyline terms, Gorilla Monsoon ordered them to wrestle each other. They fed it all over each other for five minutes, went to a double count-out, and then made up immediately afterwards. Um, Aww. No good. Shawn Michaels being injured gave up the title to Dean Douglas, who immediately had to defend it against Razor Ramon. I don't know why they didn't have Douglas and Razor wrestle for the t- held-up title. And uh, I don't find Shane Douglas a terribly sympathetic character, but, man, I felt super bad for him here, because Razor gave him nothing. Douglas got the heat for about two seconds. And then for the finish, Razor gives him a back suplex, drapes an arm over him. And Douglas gets a foot over the ropes, but the ref counts anyway. And, um, yep. And uh, finally, we had Davy Boy Smith, main eventer, against Diesel, with Brett on commentary. The whole match is Bulldog working over Diesel's leg, which is fine and logical. But it went for, like, 18 minutes. And, and for the end, Bulldog sends Diesel into the post outside, takes a shot at Brett for no real reason. <laughs> Brett gets in the ring, attacks the Bulldog, DQ ending, big pull apart. Crowd hates it. It's, it was all terrible. Yeah. Thought the battleground finish was bad. <laughs> well, at least this had a finish to its to its minor credit. Granted, it wasn't just the big show. <laughs> the match he was not in. Um, the next night they announced the Brett Diesel for Survivor Series, even though Bulldog won the match. It was supposed to be in a cage, but that ended up being pushed back a couple months. They also announced a wild card match because Gorilla Monsoon was fan friendly, maybe? <laughs> Basically, it was enemies on the same team with the Dean Douglas, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Razor Ramon against Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, the Bulldog, and newcomer Ahmed Johnson, who, as Dave Meltzer noted, would still get a big push despite Bill Watts being gone. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, that shows a, an extreme lack of creativity on interim <laughs> President Monsoon. Where Ross started and he was like, oh, heavens, I've forgotten to book an extravaganza for this extravaganza. Uh, how about it's just eight random guys? Nope, not even on real teams. <laughs> Whichever. Uh, Al Snow debuted as Avatar, which is basically him coming down to the ring, putting on a high abuse of mask and wrestling and then taking it off. He had a really rough debut match. Um, I guess it was a battle royal earlier on. The ropes got slippery from all the babies. <laughs> and he was slipping and sliding around. People were really up in arms about the talented Al Snow being dragged down with bad gimmicks. And that goodwill has really evaporated in the, in the years that passed. Yep, yep. He didn't really parlay that. Um, no, but I mean, in the long run, Avatar grossed like $2.8 billion. <laughs> so... I don't think that really it had anything wrong. to do oh, okay. with, with that. But, uh, let's see. Also the night after the pay-per-view, Lunder Blaze won back the woman's title from Bertha Faye. And imagine actually headline Raw, so take that, Stephanie and Lita. And uh, actually, yeah, Shawn Michaels' <laughs> promo went on last, but um, still, that was Monday Night Wars era. They threw that out. And Lunder went on to dominate that division for years to come. Oh, wait, <laughs> but more on that in a sec. Um, let's see. Brett had a match with Sid on Superstars with a bunch of these Saskatchewan Rough Riders in his corner. Now, on the past show, I had brought up that, uh, I swore Brett quoted the then-current Smashing Pumpkins hit Bullet with Butterfly Wings, stating in regards to Sid that despite all his rage, he was still just a rat in a cage. As it turns out, that would be the next year in regards to Diesel. Oh... I could have sworn it was... For their cage match? Yes, Mm -hmm. indeed. A rat. (laughs) In a cage. 
Um, not a lot of built at Survivor Series. He told Sid uh, that one about the rocket ship. <laughs> I don't remember the words to it. <laughs> Smash it. Oh, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> now, which of course you rocket? got. You, probably. I only remember today and disarm and something with a rocket ship. No, uh, Cherubrock. Oh I yeah, yes, pumpkin song. Mm-hmm. At this time, Time we were in... dream, man. Yes. Oh, high school. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. He listened to that show. You stirred his passions for this business, once a dormant, and he put in that offer (laughs) to buy Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. Yeah, hope that works out for him. Uh, not a lot of built to Survivor Series. Uh, Bam Bam interrupted the Goldust interview to set that match up. And besides that, it was basically people who don't like each other captaining different teams. Ahmed did make his Raw debut, saved Razor Ramon from Owen and uh, Yoko, and body slammed Yoko to make a big debut. And Triple H and Henry Godwin continued their feud. And uh, a memorable match where uh, Godwin dumped slop on himself because he knew Triple H wouldn't touch him. <laughs> a tactic Daniel Bryan sadly did not adopt. This is a zombie strategy, isn't it? <laughs> They'll never detect me. <laughs> that, you a, know what's uh, funny is when he did that, I guess it may have been the week before or the week after when he tried to slop uh, Hunter or something, he moved, and then uh, all the <laughs> slop ran down the outline of a figure, and it was uh, Invisible Fantasio. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that rock from the Astrodome. They <laughs> it was uh, came the lyrics of that classic blues refrain. If you ever go to Houston, you better walk right. We're talking about this made up bullshit. There was a Sid Razor non-title match on Raw with the One Two Three Kid as a special guest referee. Uh, Razor had set up for the edge. Kid pulled him down and then fast counted Razor for the One Two Three Kid. <laughs> Revealed he joined the corporation, and things were, at last, not okay. Did he, like so many before him, Tatanka's yee-yee-yee, etc., have music that went, one, two, three, ha, money, money, money? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I'll certainly research this yeah. as we get more into 1996. For that long-standing Sid and Kid run? Sid Kid run. <laughs> Uh, let us jump to Survivor Series, a, a very good show. They really hit the mark on three of the big five pay-per-views. The Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series were all quite good in 1995. Uh, Mania and King of the Ring were not. Uh, two things of note. One, Mr. Perfect made a surprise return to do commentary, and uh, he was okay, he put himself over a bit too much, but, you know, he's Mr. Perfect, what do you expect? And uh, the other is they brought back the Bill Clinton impersonator from WrestleMania 10 since they were in Washington, D.C., and uh, they don't have the best track record when it comes to presidential humor. No. <laughs> Still, compared to uh, the... Well, I don't know if the... I was going to lump in the Rosie O'Donnell-Donald Trump match, which I don't That's think... That's what tech- sounded... I think I conflated that in my head with when Obama and Hillary... And McCain all did promos yeah, on the same raw. Promos on raw. I can't believe that happened. Yeah. 
It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Jesus. That's, uh, I mean, <laughs> it is strange that that happened. Then they brought uh, Barack back for some, like, two years ago, the one in D.C. He was there. Capital Punishment. There was an Obama, I believe, at that show. Oh, I think so. I don't remember that, really. I think you're right, though. Hmm. Sad. There was no George W. Bush, <laughs> except Eugene, audience applause. Uh. <laughs> oh, thank you. No. Oh, I done did it. Uh, Survivor Series started with the team of the underdogs of Barry Horowitz, Mari Jannetty, Hakushi, and Bob Hawley against the body donnas of Skip, Rad Radford, Tom Pritchard, a heavenly body, and the one, two, three kid, the story being that they bought out Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who was originally in the match. Uh, Lafitte needed surgery, I believe, but <laughs> I don't know why you would buy your way into a random match which <laughs> they don't have any stakes. And um, According to Wikipedia, Holly replaced Avatar, I guess because that gimmick bombed, so there you go. Anyway, a real good opener, not... A real surprise, given who was involved. It was basically, the, I think, the top eight finishers in the Observer most underrated that year were in this match. <laughs> the underdogs versus the underrated. Um, Pritchard teams with his brother, Skip. The paternity test had not yet come back yet. <laughs> but yeah, maybe they realized they were onto something mm-hmm. here. And like, Where did you grow up? My house? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? Uh, under the Smoky Mountain. The highlight of this match being Janetti powerbombing Skip. What the fuck? (laughs) What was crazier, that or the pile driver? I think this. It might have been this. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Anyway, it came down to Kid and Janetti, former tag partners, former tag champions. Sid interfered. Holly. Yeah. Snow and Holly, job squad. (laughs) <laughs> Future job squad. Any more connections? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, Sid interfered. Uh, kid was a sole survivor. That investment paid off. Yeah. He got sort of beat up for no good reason. <laughs> anyway, they said, hey, let's import some All Japan women for no good reason. So we had a lender play. Ain't gonna stop me now. Kyoko Noe, Saki Jasagawa, and uh, Chaparita Asari versus Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Tomoko Watanabe, and Lioness Asuka. Honestly, the match was it was real short at 10 minutes, which is probably what the match Sunday is going to get. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit sloppy, and the ref was really making a mess of things. But if you went into it not watching All Japan Women, it's really super crazy action. And uh, Aja Kong pinned Alendra with a back fist to set up uh, nothing. <laughs> Big next program. Yeah, because Sonny Ono recruited Bull Nakano, right? But Aja did not go to uh, WCW. I believe they were working both companies at the time. But uh, anyway, Goldust beat Bigelow in Bigelow's final appearance in a match that was at least better than the Janetti one. Uh, then we had the epic match of the Royals, <laughs> King Mabel, Triple H, Jerry Lawler, and Isaac Yankum against the dark side of Undertaker, Savio Vega, Fatu, and Henry Godwin. I, it should have been the Bone Street crew. <laughs> the Bone Street crew. <laughs> <laughs> Collect them all from the Undertaker cereal. <laughs> How did the Undertaker assemble this team? That's what's I'm so sure. weird, because you know he, 
he'd been on teams before, but he'd never been the captain. And I feel like there's a lot of forms and stuff you have to <laughs> fill out to captain one of these teams. Can you imagine? I like think, uh, Go ahead. Guys randomly open their locker and see, like... <laughs> The wreath yeah. from the creature. Oh, there you go, a wreath. <laughs> oh. Like, well, okay. Yikes. Uh, Those team meetings with Undertaker and Paul going over <laughs> the strategy. <laughs> really, and I guess you'll say this in seconds, but Taker clean swept uh, the Monarchs. Yeah, the strategy was to have Undertaker. Yeah, <laughs> he should have pulled a big show and beat up his whole blue meanie Kai team. <laughs> Instead, they become a very undeserving, um, whatever yeah. the opposite of a sole survivor is. The clean sweep team mm-hmm. joining uh, the visionaries, the random <laughs> team in 91, uh, DX and friends. <laughs> DX and Phil? <laughs> yes. DX, CM Punk, and the Hardy Boys. Five and best friends. Mm. And, and uh, likely some others, I feel. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Undertaker came back with his Phantom of the Opera mask on because his face was still injured, and he, uh, yeah, everyone dicked around. Lawler and the Midgets continue. Oh, that's right. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> Undertaker tagged in, took out Lawler and yanked him with tombstones. Triple H got chokeslammed off the apron, and Mabel just ran away. So there you go. Clean sweep. Uh, next was the wild card match, which was good, although there were some <laughs> two really funny miscues. Uh, one was Razor going for his bulldog off the second rope on Ahmed Johnson, and Ahmed just kept kind of wandering too far away, so Ramon just kind of hopped down <laughs> and had to do the bulldog while standing. And uh, then a spot where Sid held Razor for a super kick, and Razor got out of the way. I'm trying to just kick Sid anyway, because I had Sid. <laughs> Razor went for the cover, and TV Boy Smith ran in, tried to break it up, and then just left, and they counted the pin anyway. So, a lot of shenanigans there. Gene Douglas got eliminated first. I, he had given his notice around this time, so no surprise. Uh, Sid and Kid interfered. Yeah, you have to train your replacement, which is why you brought in that uh, nature boy, <laughs> Buddy Rodell. <laughs> <Buddy Lando. laughs> uh, Ahmed got to make a splash. He pinned Owen, and then uh, got the pin on Yoko after another body slam and splash. And... Uh, Justin, why don't you book me one of these for 2013? Well, you're putting me on the spot. I am. But Camp Cornette would be the shield. Mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels would be, let's see, he was not quite the number one guy, but he was a beloved person. I guess he would be Daniel Bryan or CM Punk. Mm -hmm. We'll say, who do you want, Punk? Sure. Sure. Um, Who else is there? Ahmed Johnson would be... um, Oh, Xavier he, Woods. Big, <laughs> I was going to say Big E Langston. Yeah, Big E fits the mold. Xavier would be, it's this newcomer. <laughs> I don't really. I don't see him body slamming. This uh, is true. Yeah, we'll go Big E. Yeah, Who else is there? Sid would be uh, Shawn Michaels Ryback. Oh, there you go. Punk accidentally kicks Ryback and shrugs. <laughs> New blood. Uh, ECW original style. Dean Douglas, of course. Damien Sandow. Oh, yeah. And Razor Ramon. Some perennial IC guy, but with dignity, so none of the perennial IC guys. <laughs> Kofi Kingston. Yeah, Kofi's not quite at that bad guy level. Maybe someone like Ray, who is super popular and 
uh, still doesn't get any world title matches for world title runs for longer than two hours. <laughs> so let's see. So CM Punk, uh, Big E, Ryback, and who is the Bulldog of the Shield? I guess the one they want to push, right? Yeah, so, so Roman, Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio, and Damian Sandow. I can see that on some three-hour theme Raw. Sure. Uh, let's see. Last we had the title match, Diesel against Bret Hart. Again, another really great match. These two just re- worked uh, really well together. Uh, also, I believe the first Spanish announce table breaking. Diesel knocked Bret off the apron, right into the monitors and everything. Uh, Diesel got Bret back in the ring, was going to jackknife him. Bret kept slumping down. But turns out Bret was playing possum. Small package Diesel for the win in the title. Big Daddy Coolmouth, the motherfucker. Got up, powerbomb Bret twice. Bit of a downer ending, but a strong, strong show overall. Remember what we were saying last time about Brett feeling like uh, maybe not being pushed super strong, even as uh, Brett the Hitman Hart? Yes. Yeah. So he's a sack of shit who sneakily rolls him up and then gets <laughs> beat up. Congratulations on title reign number four? Um, three. Because he won the uh, fatal... F- no, the... um. Final four pay-per-view, and then the last one was against Undertaker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice work. Thank you. Okay, uh, December. Or thereabouts. Uh, eventful show the next night on Raw. Diesel cut a promo explaining his actions and uh, more of a tweener term, as dumb as that phrase is, <laughs> uh, saying he wasn't going to be Vince's puppet. He was through being a nice guy, but if you had a black glove, he'd give you a high five. And he wasn't a full-on bad guy because he tried to avenge his fallen friend. More on that in a second. He's I guess trying to inject some character and shake things up a bit. Ruthless aggression. <laughs> uh, Sean main evented that Raw against Owen Hart, and they brought up very subtly how Sean had taken a lot of punishment from a Syracuse attack to getting powerbombed the night before, and he took an enziguri from Owen in the match, but he made a comeback, clotheslined Owen outside, and then apparently passed out. And the show stopped. Earl Hebner kicked Sean a bit to see if he was if he was uh, alive or not. Uh, officials rushed in. No one was confused. This was all an angle to give Sean a little more time off and build sympathy for his big run. Uh, it was the first... Uh, shoot angle's not the right word, but emphasis was on something that had gone wrong that shouldn't be happening. I remember watching it and thinking, oh shit, as was everyone who was online at the time, and... I mean, this type of thing today is generally beyond terrible, but it was really effective here. And, um, yeah, they built it up like he was done, although it was just, as I said, more time to heal and build up the rumble. It was, yeah, I mean, how could you not (laughs) buy into that the whole way? At our ages, at least, Mm -hmm. it was craziness. And it worked, too, because Sean came back as a big house show draw in 1996. His comeback quest. I mean, if you've never seen it, go see it on YouTube. It's really well done. But, I mean, they try that. T- I mean, I think they do try that today, and everyone's just like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Triple H passed out in a memorable match with Curtis Axel not five months ago. <laughs> People are still talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. When he came back the next week and was like, I had a drink of water, and I feel much better. <laughs> now let me ruin everything. <laughs> Uh, Brother Love came back in his interview show 
also came back. I guess Bruce Pritchard gained some power backstage, and it was a throwback to when people actually liked wrestling. <laughs> it only lasted a few months, had maybe one memorable segment, but we'll get to that next time. Where we stand on wrestler talk shows, Heartbreak Hotel must have ended when Sean got serious for WrestleMania 11. I believe so, yes. So and King's right. Court was still fighting them tech wars, so... <laughs> Uh, I forget where we were. I don't know what we did in 96. I, I don't know. Severe lack of wrestlers having talk shows. Apparently. The highlight reel. Yeah. And uh, Cafe du Rene. Peep show. <laughs> in Ryback's corner. Oh, wait, I made that up. That was going to be his cooking show on the net. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a morning weird. show. Called Wake Up! (laughs) Nice. Um, This was weird. They started hyping up a match um, between Undertaker and Kama as Undertaker's last chance to get the urn back. And I'm like, that's still an issue. Undertaker wasn't terribly concerned about it the prior three months, so I don't know if I missed something or what. But Kama comes out on crutches as he can't wrestle. But he has a replacement in the form of Sir Mo. Undertaker beats Mo, as you would surmise, but uh, Mabel comes out, surmise. steals the remnants of the urn. Third member of the, that evil group. <laughs> surmise. Because <laughs> uh, breaking a guy's face just isn't enough. And um, he later appeared on Brother Love Show with a graffitied casket. He would say he's going to stuff Undertaker in. So The uh, final pay-per-view of the year was In Your House 5, Seasons Beatings. Uh, I like this show, mostly because it was a, a holiday-themed show, which you, you really don't see, at least pay-per-view-wise. They have Raws, you know, with a, a holiday theme, Santa Claus getting run over and what have you. But as far as pay-per-views, WCW always had Starcade and WWE just has TLC. But here, the house is all decorated. It looked quite nice. Yes, normally all they do is they send those delicious WWE divas in Santa hats to let the troops feel them. <laughs> That's true. Tribute to the truth had someone taken on also the, the Christmas show. Remember when Ric Flair and Vince McMahon were owners for that December and they had a babyface Christmas party and a, a heel Christmas party? I don't remember this now. Mm, we'll get there eventually. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> Sure. Actually, I don't. I don't even know if we're going to do the 2000s whenever we finish it. Just uh, you and uh, our mutual friend Alan had uh, had covered that in not quite as exhaustive uh, uh, detail as we have with the the 90s, but still, I feel. Well, it's been, let's cross that bridge in our 40s yeah. when we need something to occupy <laughs> my 40s when we're done this. Think of how technology has changed by then, perspectives. Alan and I did that at the end of the uh, 2000s, so it'll be a while. (laughs) It'll be a while. Uh, Kind of, indeed. You're saying saying we're going to do it? So we can talk about that gimmick? (laughs) Indeed. Um, We started this show with Razor and Mario Gennetti against Sid and 123Kid. An okay match that Razor and Marty inexplicably won, where uh, Razor Bulldog Sid, which is weird. I know the kid wasn't pinned, but I don't know why Marty Janae didn't just lose, because he was there. Uh, Goldust was watching the match and had an envelope delivered to Razor that upset him greatly. Uh, then we had Jerry Lawler in the ring to bring back Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who 
came back, gave him a gold record for With My Baby Tonight. Uh, Double J hung around to watch what we thought would be Dean Douglas versus Ahmed Johnson, but Douglas was on his way out at that point, and he was injured. Take that as you want. So he brought out his pupil, Buddy Landell, fresh off Smoky Mountain's closing with Ric Flair's old music for good measure. Ahmed won in a minute, and then paddled Dean with his board of education for good measure, sent him back to ECW. Well, I talked to Ahmed afterwards, and uh, I forgot about Ahmed's interviews. My God. <laughs> anyway, Jarrett smashes his record over Ahmed's head, which looks like it sucked, and we had a little insta-feud going. How long did it take the real Double J to come back? I don't think it uh, wasn't for a while, right? No, not till we were pretty good into 96 at that point where he came back. So Jeff was already in WCW? Yeah, already in WCW, I was say. He was retaliatory. Yeah. We have a, the real Double yeah, J. Right. Can you imagine that? Saying... <laughs> Someone on WCW, but they had the real one on Raw. Nah. nah. But I, we we figured it out pretty good how they updated their uh, whole personas for the Attitude Era, which was they left the company from that big uh, in-your-house fallout, and then they bided their time, and then they were both back in Titan, New York, in, uh, like, I guess late 97, and they were on the sidewalk, and then one of those professional dog walkers with a million leashes came walking down the street, and and Brian Armstrong James said, Road? Dog! And then Jeff Jarrett said, Puppies! And then they were back. <laughs> Glad we worked that out. Uh, we had the hog pen match next. Basically, there was a big hog pen right <laughs> in the arena. Object was to throw the other guy into it. And this was brought back, I believe, once with Vicky Guerrero, if I remember serves correctly. And uh, it was Triple H and Henry Godwin. And uh, they'd bring this up in later years to kind of embarrass Triple H now and again, but it's hardly the worst thing ever. It's got some pretty good bumps in it. Anyway, Triple H won, but then Henry just tosses him in anyway. The thing is, Triple H got whipped into the pen, had these huge gashes on his back, this blood running down, and then gets tossed into the dirt, and presumably pig feces as well, and it's like, god damn, I think he still has scars from this match. So dirty, and he had these long red cuts on his back, taking bumps in slop and bacteria. No doubt. Uh, Let's see, next we had a segment with Santa Claus coming out with Savio Vega, handing out presents to kids. But the Million Dollar Man was in the ring, claiming he had bought off Santa. And uh, he was right, because Santa attacked Savio with a sack of gifts. And, oh. uh, Normally that about means you. Savio sold out, but no, that's not how this one worked. No, but uh, I don't know about you, but Santa body-slamming Savio Vega just killed me. Can't stop giggling right now. And uh, then we had Diesel and... Took oh, go ahead. Balls. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, we had Diesel and Owen... A quick match. Diesel had the win, but refused to go for the pin. Gave the ref a stunner. I mean, uh, pushed him down <laughs> with the DQ. And next was uh, Undertaker Mabel in a casket match. Uh, kept short. And in the end, Undertaker stuffed both Moe and Mabel in the casket, but couldn't close the lid. That is, until he re- reclaimed the remnants of the urn, which gave him the power to seal the deal. He made the classic I want the title gesture, my favorite pantomime in wrestling, outside of pointing to your head to indicate intelligence. And uh, last and not least, the main event was Brett against Davey Boy Smith for the title, with the storyline being that uh, Brett had never beaten the Bulldog in all their one-singles matches. 
And uh, also one of Brett's oops, didn't blade. Discussing blood was on accident, really, kind of jobs. He was leaking plasma quite quickly, and uh, this match is really great. How do you get away with that twice? <laughs> it happens, you know. He's a Fantasia-level magician out there. <laughs> I feel like if Punk did the pile driver again and was like, <laughs> uh, I tripped. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I bleed from my forehead accidentally all the time, so. <laughs> and uh, they actually ended up replaying a lot of the show on Superstars and Raw around the holidays, which upset a lot of people, and they never did it again. Except Beware of Dog. Yes, that's true. Uh, I guess uh, the evil Santa Claus, or Santa Claus, I guess, had one match on Superstars, and that was it. He just vanished. Nope. Sorry we brought it up. Although I was always curious what they would do with it. Would he would he wrestle year-round? Would he just be November to December? I don't know. Like I pay-per-view. <laughs> November to December. Uh, that is a good question. I, I mean, the Y2J problem existed well <laughs> after the millennium. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Would he be he, weaker in... Uh, Summertime? He'd be... Gain strength in the winter? He will... All those annoying gimmicks of uh, teachers and dentists, he'd be a bad guy in the neighborhood who won't take their Christmas lights down. <laughs> uh, let's see. You would think after Survivor Series they would be moving towards the Lunder Blaze Aja Kong program. And it was on the books for the Royal Rumble. But Blaze's contract expired on December 13th, and they decided not to renew it. This would not be a big issue, except A, she was still the champion, and B, this is during the Monday Night Wars. She showed up on the December 18th Nitro, threw the belt in the trash can, said this is how she felt about the WWF, and that WCW was now where the big girls play. And um, a decision I believe she regrets, because she has not been invited back at all to the company. But, uh, yeah, another... Requisite one female performer in the Hall of Fame every year. True. They skipped right ahead to Trish Stratus. Yep. And, uh, yeah, probably not getting that, that Hall of Fame ring. Do you think it was a missed opportunity to not do a gimmick where Medusa was in the same stable with Mantar? <laughs> Some Greek mythology. Yes. Stable. Indeed. In the same way, it was a mistake not to... Uh, to the big blow-off uh, after SummerSlam 89, Zeus moved down the cards, and he could finally put over Hercules. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of, uh, yeah, Batusa, Mantar, Hercules. Hmm. Um, I don't thought about that. Them. Val Venus. Yeah. I don't think he counts. That's a Roman. God. S. Saturn. Also Roman. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because uh, Saturn and Kronos were <laughs> somehow. Man, the layers. Wow. Hmm. Uh, we had not really mentioned it. Oh, wait. Uh, we got the debut of the Tell Me a Lie video. Still a handy, snarky <laughs> internet reply. Uh, I watched the video on YouTube, and there was this comment from <laughs> Joseph Coney, <laughs> 2012, <laughs> who said, uh, HBK oh, the worst really guy. Yeah, he said HBK was truly beloved by fans in the 90s when he was supposed to retire. The amount of people that were crying were more than Edge's, Ric Flair's, and HBK's actual retirement combined. 
I'm not sure how you quantify that, and um, kind of taking a dig at HBK while complimenting him, saying his actual retirement did not uh, move people as much as his fake one, but there you go. Yeah, I feel like the Hall of Fame ballot percentages show the reverse of that to be true. Indeed. Uh, let's see, Rand Rafford had hooked up with the Body Dawn as, as a obedient training, so they teamed up a lot, made him do sit-ups so he wouldn't be so fat. After they lost a tag match to the Smoking Guns on December 23rd, Sonny fired Rad right at Christmas time. Skip and Sonny had a replacement. We're going to save that for next time, though. And um, plenty of other stuff at the tail end of 95. Ted DiBiase hinting at bringing back the Million Dollar Belt, but again, we'll get into that for 96. And that is basically 1995. I mean, people look back and say, hey, there's some Good shows, guys in their prime, a lot of, uh, you know, if you made a, a, a playlist in 1995, better be pretty good, but um, if you weren't seeing the small buildings they were playing in and how much they were trying that didn't connect, like, you, you read The Observer and every two weeks there's a story about Vince having a backstage meeting to boost morale or something about Razor Ramon wanting to work in Japan for three weeks to make some money, and it's just, like, really crazy. Yeah, if you're one of those, I mean... The Attitude Era was cool and all, but I find my torrent of 50 MP4s of 1995 Raw eminently more watchable. The work in the squashes was very snug. Sort of missing the point entirely. Yeah. Don't think that's the intended means of consumption for successful professional wrestling. Perhaps not. Help was certainly on the way in 96 as the three key players in the Attitude Era arrived, although none of them in the form that would make them the most famous. But um, a lot of stuff going on, big and small. Even just January 96 is pretty crazy. I've already started cracking into it. But again, that's for next time, which hopefully will not be as long as it took us to do. 95, I think, slash hope. Joe, level with me. Mm -hmm. Does Vader moonsault a barn? (laughs) I don't think so. Where did you get that from? I'm jumping on the trampoline? Ra, ra, bull, ra. Isn't it the same one where Vader was training in a barn? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh, he may have, yeah. He's doing. He's jumping on a trampoline, which I thought just killed his gimmick immediately. <laughs> but, again, that is for next time. That is for 1996. Can't wait. So there you go. We'll be back. We did it. Finally. You, uh, you got an extra hour out of this because our original The Lost Show went two hours, 45 minutes. The first uh, first part we re-recorded went two hours. We are, at this point, the hour, 46-minute mark, give or take. So you got about an extra hour out of it. So congrats. Good for you. <laughs> it was worth it. I mean, Indeed. ultimately, I guess it was. We could have been done with this some time ago. Um, it was very hard to do the entire year in that one sitting, so yeah, I worked out for the best. We know we know better. I mean, split ninety six, maybe three parts. I don't know, depending. We have to go week by week on mm. the month. We'll cover both Raw and Night Row. Oh goodness, stuff. If you want to do nineteen seventy seven, business is going to pick up, as they say. Things are going to get interesting pretty soon. They certainly will. These are interesting times. Moonsaulting a barn, Joe. 
So that's going to do it for us. Hope you have a, uh, a nice Thanksgiving and also a, uh, a happy Hanukkah this year, Justin. Same day. Very early. Hmm? Do you know the story yeah. of the first Jewish Thanksgiving? No. Well, pilgrim Jews were crossing <laughs> the uh, desert on the Mayflower, and so they got there, and there was uh, only enough... Um, canola oil <laughs> to cook one day's worth of turkey and lo a miracle for eight whole days they slow roasted that turkey and had an incredibly wonderful Thanksgiving Jewish Thanksgiving well okay I learned something today I mean it's more of a metaphor as opposed to taking it as literal fact, but I think you know, see the truth and the power of that story. All right. So uh, yeah, enjoy Survivor Series if you're <laughs> watching the show. <laughs> I will actually be in attendance live. Oh. Largely, uh, only so I can tick that off the box of original Big Four pay per views I've been in attendance for. Although, honestly, if you gave me a choice, I'd rather go to. Money in the Bank or TLC or Extreme Rules. Those ones are or, pretty action-packed. Comparatively. Yeah, they be better than. <laughs> so you did the O six SummerSlam. I did. I'm going to the. I'm only uh, short of a Rumble. Yeah. After this. Well, you can join me in January. That's tempting, but I'm afraid not. It is a Sunday night. Kind of hard to pull that Indeed. off. I'll be there reporting live. All right. Counting down from ten. <laughs> do you or do you sit there and just kind of in stoic? Silence? I haven't been in a live show in the yes, yes, yes era. I think I'm mm. going to do that. It seems fun. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll do it too. I did squeal in 2001 when Jeff Hardy took his shirt off just because I was trying to play my part. So you're a good audience member. Thank you. All right, we're uh, nearing the two-hour mark. They're about so I'm gonna. Let you go. I want to thank everyone for listening so much, and uh, we will be back in 2014, I would say, with some some form of uh, 1996 as we trek on in our tech war on tech war on. You bet. You have to learn about tech war sooner or later. <laughs> so I thank Justin. I thank you. I'm just thankful in general. And uh, with that, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.